0: The color and chaos podcast thank you so much for tuning in today my name is jonah and i'm coming to you from macomb michigan i'm really excited about today i have one of my good friends it's a writer from one of my favorite um websites musical websites jesus freak hideout on here we were also roommates in college and still good friends today a funny story about david is that i actually knew about david before i met him in college um one of my favorite bands the name of the band is falling up uh they released a new album when I was a senior in high school. And I remember reading the review on the Jesus Freak Hideout website and uh, just really like walking away from the review just like whoa that was a great review and then all of a sudden I meet the author of that review in college and it was just kind of (laughs) surreal and then we uh ended up being roommates together so I always always think of that it's crazy how the Lord works with that and how we meet people but uh but yeah go ahead David go ahead and introduce yourself and um maybe uh just talk a little bit about Jesus Freak Hideout and how you got involved in that and yeah, thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Jonah. It's a great privilege to finally join you on this podcast. Um, originally from the Pacific Northwest. Um, that's actually where I'm coming from today, just outside of Seattle. And uh, I met Jonah a number of years ago. And. Um, I have really enjoyed getting to connect with him on the topics of theology and music faith uh, what all that looks like and I think we're gonna delve into some of those topics today um, especially with some of the more uh, some of the more complicated issues issues that are hard to talk about issues that uh, we don't always uh, love to discuss as as people and as Christians I think it can make us a little bit uncomfortable I was one of the people who was blessed to be born into a home uh, where my parents and friends and neighbors all followed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't always easy, but from a young age, it became really clear that um, there was something different about the communities I was a part of. And I mean, I, I, I interacted with and saw some uh, some cults and some other weird, weird uh, religious groups, and I understood that it, that there was something a little bit different mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, You know, I've had ups and downs in my life. I I struggle with aspects of my faith. There's questions I still have that aren't answered, but um, I I do call myself a follower of Jesus, a follower of the way. Um, And my goal in life is to know Jesus and to make him known to um, the people I encounter. And a a huge part of my testimony and my growth in my faith has been with music. Um, I grew up reading Jesus Freak Hideout um, shortly after they started. And I I guess about seven or eight years ago, I actually started writing for them. Um, And uh, it's been really interesting getting to butt heads with uh, people who are better writers and uh, better musicians and smarter than Mm -hmm. I am. Um, but just in critiquing the vast, vast array of Christian music that's out there, um, both on a theological and an artistic level. Um, There's a huge difference between a skilled artist who is putting out cheap music because it's easy to do versus a non-skilled artist who is laboring and pouring themselves into a project um, that even at their very best is going to be okay, um, Mm -hmm. according to just uh, general listener opinion.
0: Yeah. So you grew up looking at Jesus Freak Hideout. How did you get involved? Like, what was that process like?
1: They, they needed writers and made a post on, I don't know what it was, Facebook, Twitter, something like that. I saw something about that. And, um, I thought I'd submit a reader review for one of Falling Up's albums. Um, I think it was probably the one you read. No way. Ironically. Enough. Really? Yeah, yeah. I submitted it. And, oh, wow. uh, and uh, the the head of JFH, John DiBiase, uh, welcomed me to the team and quickly uh, threw me a few more albums to review. Yeah. Um, you know, they they haven't gotten rid of me yet. So <laughs> um, I think all of us uh, who are on the staff, our goal is to promote good music. and in doing so direct um, believers or people who are are not yet believers to quality Christian music um, Mm -hmm. where they can be encouraged. They can uh, think about and wrestle through issues um, in a way that, that shows that uh, musicians are, are playing skillfully to honor God and to, Mm -hmm. um, and to demonstrate the creativity that they were endowed with
0: as you journey and you you pursue christ like what have you been kind of observing through the music you've been listening to the stuff you've been kind of uh, you know being a part of on jesus freak out hmm. uh,
1: oh man i think i think what i observe is um hmm. well i'll say that sometimes there's a great deal of frustration and that is due to the fact that there is a lot of excellent music out there um this year last year 20 years ago um, And oftentimes the best music in terms of quality and sincerity is not necessarily the music that reaches the listeners hmm. um, And also to, to be frank, we, we see a lot of the the worst side of the industry um, Working uh, to provide publicity for various artists. I mean you see a lot of entitlement you see a lot of anger um, you'll see artists uh, Angrily sick their fan base on a volunteer um, new staff writer Over giving out a three or four star review because it's it's not perfect if they say hey this this album's good But maybe I didn't like it as much as the album they put out in 2012 Yeah, um, you know then then sometimes they'll even take to Twitter in this rage fueled rant. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it's it's kind of surreal. It's 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 um a little humorous at times. I mean, you, you, you just can't really help but laugh and realize that we're, we're really broken people. And, um, it, it's, it, but sometimes you see things that are even, even a little bit more malicious. You'll see, uh, outright dishonesty, um, various, um, various lies. I mean, if you look up, uh, some of the history of Jesus free kite out, um, uh, when uh, When the head John DiBiase started it, um, he was a teenager I believe and mm-hmm. um, pretty quickly some some of the Christian music labels tried to forcefully take control of the website i, d- I don 't know all the stories about that i don 't want to get into that yeah. um, that 's not not really my story to tell but I, yeah I know that that was uh, um, uh, kind of the beginning of 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 what that looked like and um, you know the longer you 're in any industry, the more you start to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, Mm -hmm. as human beings, you know, we're always trying to portray the good. Um, So, you know, we're always putting our best foot forward. And um, so usually what comes to light is more of the stickiness, the the dishonesty, the the backbiting that takes place. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the upside of that, though, is you realize that there's a lot of entities and people, especially within the church, who do not engage in that. I mean, sure, they're all sinful. They're all broken people. No organization is perfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But at, at the end of the day, there's a lot of artists and, and and entities and people who are essentially above reproach. And you realize that, hey, they're not perfect people. But, you know, while there is a lot of nastiness going on, they avoid it. They they stay clear of it. They uh, They ignore it when they can. They confront yeah. it when they have to. Um, and they, they do so in a godly manner. So that's a very encouraging aspect of, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a more negative, um, yeah, more of a negative topic. Yeah.
0: Well, especially when you're dealing with art and everything, you know, that's, that's their baby, you know?
1: Right, right. And I mean, and kudos to any artist who puts themselves out there, whether yeah. your music's great, good, acceptable, or, um, you know, low budget garage band rock, which, um. I think you and I actually like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's it's hard to put put your creativity out there. It's just like anyone who's a writer or a painter. It, it's not super easy to do that, mm. um, especially when so much of it has to do with your your innate talents, your talents that you don't necessarily grow in. Um, can you become a better singer? Sure, but you're not gonna change drastically. Can you become a better a uh, composer, yes, but if you've never been a good composer, you're not gonna improve that much. Um, you know, it's it's difficult, I think, to um in, in that field specifically to to put your gifting or lack thereof out into the world to be yeah. to be hammered on and critiqued by monsters like me.
0: One one thing I've always appreciated about Jesus Freak Hideout, it almost seems like an accountability. Of just like, hey, look, like, let's hold each other to a higher standard. Like we're representing Christ, you know. Like, you know, what is that standard? Like, let's c- continue to pursue after a higher standard. Um, so I, I've always thought that the reviewers, even even you, I've always thought that the reviewers do a really good job of shepherding the artists and validating the artists, but saying like, look, you know, like, y- y- there there's 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 more that can happen, or just calling it out, saying, look, like this is awesome. Like, I can definitely tell, we can definitely tell as a group, as a person, you know, that like there was time and energy and there's heart behind this. Um, so I know for me, especially as a consumer of music, it's always appreciative to, to be able to look at other people's thoughts, understand that it's their personal thoughts, but also to, you know, get a little bit more of a background of like, okay, like, what, what is going on in this album? Like, what are the themes? What are the, the lyrics? What are the, you know, what is sonically does it sound like even before I listen to the album, you know? Now, of course, you know, opinions are opinions. And, you know, there's times where there'll be like a two-star review. And I'm like, man, I love this album, you know, and vice versa. There's times where y'all would give a coveted, you know, five-star review. And then I listen to it and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't think this is five stars, but I definitely respect it. I, I feel like Jesus Freak hideout out of all of the, uh, music review sites that have a a Christian worldview. Um, I, I really respect Jesus Freak Out for just like, man, when they say it's a five star album, like that's that's the pinnacle in my mind. You know, that's at least something I would give my time um, to go out of my way to to listen to. So that's that's something I definitely appreciate about Jesus Freak Out.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that's that's definitely one of our our goals. And I mean, even as staff, we we butt heads behind the scenes a lot, trying to build each other up and. Um, You know, obviously there's just different tastes at a certain point. There's music. I like that uh, Some of the other staff don't and yeah, yeah, you know, the alternative is also true But
0: I know for me, I'm very outspoken especially on this podcast how important music is to me, especially in my pursuit of Christ Um, I just music has been phenomenal to me even before coming to Christ like some of my favorite bands growing up that meant the world to me is uh, Linkin Park um, you know, uh, tears for fears, um, you know, just so many different bands that just really meant a lot to me. Um, and especially after giving my life to the Lord, just discovering this whole world, like before coming to Christ, when I was 17, I, I thought Christian music or music that had a Christian perspective was cheesy and like, whatever, you know, and I guess like what we're talking, talking about, like sonically, it was, it was the artist that had a, had a um just a emphasis on sonically just performing with excellence that really drew me in and drew me into the lyrics you know you can have the best lyrics but if sonically it's not you know if it doesn't really hold water then i you know it didn't attract me and i remember like artists like nicole norderman really drew me in even when i was wasn't a follower of christ um just because there was lyrics but then there was also just there was talent there was ability behind there there was a heart um but like for me, music has been so important, even to this day. Like I'm constantly listening to music, and it's just like growing that worldview, stretching that worldview, encouraging, challenging. Uh, I think we're going to get into the challenging part of it, you know, because it's really important to be challenged um, in our worldview. But uh, what what about for you? Like what what has music kind of meant in your pursuit of Christ, and what has kind of been your journey with music?
1: I think a lot of it has has really displayed the beauty and individual creativity Mm. um, as well as pointing towards, I mean, you know, kind of the base, one of the base common denominators of um, Christian music is worship and the ability of good music to lead a person in worship, in um, praising their creator and also in um, seeing new aspects of their creator and of his creation. Uh, There's a lot of art. I mean, you know, one of my favorite musicians, probably my favorite album is uh, Cosmos by The Send. And I mean, I think he indirectly mentions God one time in the album. Mm. I don't think the name Jesus ever shows up. But I look at that album and see how it is an incredibly beautiful rendering of who God is and of the artist's faith. And what was interesting is I, I, I... Heard this from somebody who knew the artist so I don't know that it's 100% true or so you know take it with a grain of salt but apparently uh, Joe Kisselberg um, you know he grew up in a Christian environment but apparently it was while he was recording that album and working on that album that he actually gave like he actually fully gave himself to Christ uh, well wow. one, one of his friends uh, told me that a, a while back uh, through just a chance encounter of, of meeting yeah. him and talking about music and of course it came up, uh, yeah. about some of our favorite bands and whatnot. And, and realizing that an album like that, it doesn't have to say Jesus, 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 or, you know, God died for you. God is love. I mean, all those wonderful truths. I mean, they've been repeated a million and one times, which mm-hmm. um, is a lot and also not enough, but yeah. there is a way with a lot of music that you can really uh, exemplify and magnify the character of God, the nature of God and of his creation and his redemption um, through very indirect manners, through metaphors, um, through um, really engaging with the surrounding aspects of nature or rivers, uh, forests, things like that. Um, and I don't mean that in a new age way, but I mean in a, a very, fle- very reflective yeah. manner, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to quote scripture to, to reveal who God is. And in fact, I think there is a extra special beauty in saying, how can I worship and praise God without throwing around Christianese terms or the name of God? How, how can I subtly um, convey these truths? to somebody who somebody who's not a believer might not even pick up on it. And that's, that's okay. I think that's a beautiful aspect of, um, of our creativity. Um, And I I would also say a big part of my journey has, has been in recognizing um, some of the holes that we see within the church and some of the holes within the music industry. Uh, I mean, like I was speaking about with uh, earlier with uh, um, some of the issues with uh, Mm -hmm. corruption in the, in the CCM industry. I mean, there, it seems like there's no room for artists to ever directly express their struggles or challenges. Sure. Um, you know, if they want to keep their place on the, on the radio, they have to gloss over the real struggles in life. Um, you know, on, on K love or air one, which I think is now owned by K love. Um, you know, you, you can't say you can't sing. I've gone to church my whole life and trusted God, but I just found out my son is gay or my daughter had a secret abortion. Uh, you can't say I was betrayed by my church or was sexually abused by my pastor. You can't say my husband left me when I, when he found out I have terminal cancer. Uh, you know, and those are real issues that happen to real people. Good church-going, doctrinally sound people, not just cultural Christians who have hard things. But these are painful things that that people have to deal with, and artists are are largely barred from, at least mainstream Christian artists are barred from speaking out about these things or covering these, these topics. Um, you know, and if an artist feels like the Christian music industry, which in truth is an extension of the church, um, is requiring them to lie about their faith, then over time it's natural for the artist to begin to ask if their faith is a lie. Mm. Uh, I think very few artists have attempted to go very deep with their music, Um, very few mainstream artists, I want want to clarify that. As as we're speaking about artists now, I'm mostly talking about the the people you'll flip on the car car radio station in here. I think 10th Avenue North maybe was an exception at the very end of their career. Um, They they started talking about uh, some pretty serious issues. I think one of their final EPs they were dealing with uh, uh, um, sex and porn and and addiction and things like, I mean, serious issues that that are are very pervasive in our culture. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I think yeah. they're it's, it's sad thinking that they they wrapped up, but I also think that that was probably a little bit intentional on their part. They spent a very long time beating around the bush um, over very difficult topics um, yeah. and at the very, very end of their career, right before they kind of announced that they were, they were winding down. They put out some of their heaviest content yet, which I, I really applaud them for. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I see. I see that as part of part of my journey is realizing that um, I don't want to say that Christian music is a lie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. realizing that that so much of the industry um, creates these false expectations of what yeah. the Christian walk looks like. And I, I think we'll discuss it a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. But I know that a lot of artists that you and I listen to directly address the the issues of running into times when your faith isn't what you were told it should be.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it comes down to those labels. You know, we as humans, we have that tendency to just box and label in order for us to be comfortable. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about Jesus and we're talking about the messy just the messy process of abandoning the old and 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 you know taking on the new you know the newness of Christ like that that gets messy and that gets confusing and that gets you know there there's it's chaotic at times of just saying like lord you know is this you is this me you know like what's going on like how do i take the truths of your gospel and your and and your word and apply it to different weird scenarios that we're all faced with I know like when I look into I guess I guess my perspective to music, especially music coming from a Christian perspective, or I guess the label of Christian music, I w I, I, I wasn't a follower of Christ till seventeen. So again, I came in I had a I had a perspective I had one perspective of music that was labeled Christian music of like, Oh well, okay, that's not for me, you know, because it's Christian music. Like right. it's it's segmented. Right. But like I guess like when I when I came to Christ and I got to know more of the music, I started realizing like wait a minute, like this label if anything kind of does a little bit more harm because like this is a lot of it is is really good music and you know, yeah, there's an industry and everything, but like when you study it at the beginning of I guess the label of Christian music You know you think about different labels like sparrow um and you know different people that were just really important uh charlie charlie peacock um like amy grant um and of course that leads like to the rick mullins uh, michael w smith Uh, what i see is that like most of those if not all those artists they they were on the the mainstream charts they were on the pop stations and and it's because that industry really wasn't there yet. You know, you had the Jesus movement, you know, going into the 70s, and you had people like Bob Dylan who were, like, saying, like, look, I'm going to sing about Jesus, you know. And, and the, I mean, there was a label gospel music, I guess, at that time. But it, it seemed that, at least from what I can see, it seemed that once that industry started being built, you started seeing less of that crossover, and you started seeing more of, like, okay, well, you, you kind of get in your own your own little, right. you know, section.
1: But artists like Chris Tomlin, for example, is not a bad musician. But mm-hmm. w- a lot of what he did, he kind of created a cookie cutter um, mold for a lot of artists to fill in. And you know, rewind. You know, in the early 2000s, you know, and you rewind a, a little further back, and you realize that people like Smith and Chapman and mm-hmm. uh, Grant Mullins, um, you know, they were brilliant musicians, all of them, and. But by, by them creating what they created, they kind of set the standard for what Christian music should be for better or worse.
0: A template, a a template of what it would look like.
1: Exactly. It was a template for what the industry would end up looking like. Um, I know bad Christian has a documentary coming out soon. I'm really interested to watch it. I don't know that I'm Mm -hmm. going to endorse it, (laughs) Uh, but I think they're calling it what would Jesus sell? And it kind of deals with a lot of the complexities of uh, what happens when you mesh, uh, basically the capitalism of a music industry with faith and with religion and Christianity. And you end up with a lot of secular and non, non believers speaking frankly, who, um, you know, slapped a Christian label on things because it would sell.
0: Yeah. And the, the leaders of the bad Christian podcast is, uh, you know, of course the, the singers in Emory, which was labeled a Christian band on a, you know, what, what was labeled a Christian label. Um, I think about like, uh, there's so many bands that come to my mind that kind of got stuck in that whirlwind of the industry of being labeled something. But the artist themselves being like, wait a minute, like, I don't know if this really reflects like, you know, it, either it doesn't reflect us personally or it doesn't reflect um, wh- wh- where we want to be labeled because um, we feel like it kind of pigeonholes us to something. I think about like Evanescence, for instance, like they were signed to Wind Up Records, which also had the big hit Creed. You know, and Creed blew up, you know, and they had, you know, the the Christian lyrics and everything. They were on the mainstream radio. Well, you see with Scott, you know, the lead singer of Creed, you see, like, his life just fall apart, and he starts struggling with, like, addiction and stuff like that, you know, and it was pretty you know, I mean, goodness, when the spotlight's on you, and everybody's looking at you, and you have this label attached to you, it's hard for you to fail, and to, you know, fail in a way that doesn't, you know, have all this, like, oh, well, look at you, you know, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you know, that's the kind of the the downfall of labels, but, like, Evanescence, they're put on wind-up records, and the label uh, marketed them as a Christian band. Now, the the artists in the band, there was many of them, if not all of them, that did, you know, say like, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I think about David Hodges. I mean, goodness, right. like he's still walking that ministry out as a songwriter and as a musician, but by the grace of God, you know. And why do um, we
1: never talk about David Hodges? Though? I know,
0: I know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, Nobody talks about David Hodges, but they talk about Amy Lee, you know, but but yeah, you, th- you think about Evanescence, and they had that famous blow up um, at least famous for the time of, you know, Amy Lee and Ben Moody just famously saying like, like, I, like, we don't want to be in this label. Like that is, that's what the label, that's what Wind Up, Wind Up is saying that we're we're a Christian band, but like, we don't want to be in a Christian band. I think like Amy or Ben dropped an F-bomb in an interview and then they pulled them from the, like the Christian bookstores. But like, you see that and you see the destruction that like just having that label and even outside of the musician world, but just us as people that when you have those labels and you have all these expectations put on you it's hard for you to really walk out that salvation and walk out that process you know because now you have the spotlights on you you know why why do you think that is that you know especially in the music world or just us as people why do you think that the the labels are you know we have that tendency to to put a label or put a box on something
1: uh, and speaking frankly i think it's because we're humans i, I think mm. humans have a tendency to do what they feel is normal as opposed to what is right or what is wise. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just going back to Exodus, I mean, one of the stupidest things you'll read in the Bible is how Moses disappears for a short window, and they they literally melt down their wealth to build a fake idol, a golden yeah. calf. I mean, you know, that that was stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Lord just led them out of like a, a nation of slavery through like a sea.
1: Right. I mean, they saw miracles just yeah. weeks or months or years, or I, I don't remember the exact timeline, but I mean, it was between between uh, being freed from captivity and crossing the Red Sea and between entering the pro- or between entering the, the 40 years in the wilderness I mean that was a very brief window of time that they had seen all of these incredible miracles the plagues everything and then they're they're immediately trying to basically go back to the way things were in Egypt um, mm-hmm. you know and you see the same thing with Israel later on demanding a king for their people and um, I, I think I think a lot of it is just that people do what they think that they're they think is normal I mean and again, and, I think in this case, it's that we want to prop up heroes We want to prop up human idols, you know now in the West. We're a little bit more um, Removed from the spiritual significance of a golden calf. We're a little mm. more removed from um, the the tower of Babel or yeah. um, the, the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar um, had cast I mean I think, I think we're past that now, but we still want to put a living into TV. I mean, a good example would be um, looking maybe last year, there was a lot of controversy over Lauren Daigle, and she mm-hmm. made some comment. I, I want to say along the lines of she, she has asked her opinion about um, gay marriage, mm-hmm. and she basically said something along the lines of how it's not, not her position to judge or, mm-hmm. or something. She gave a very non, non-committal answer. Um, and you know, that's a whole different conversation as to mm-hmm. what she should have said. But I think I think if anything, it serves as an immediate reminder that people like her, she she, she can be a great follower of Jesus. I, I don't know much about her as a person, but yeah. But in, her or any person,
0: just because they have a label on them. right,
1: they're not necessarily an expert on things. And so I think one of the big dangers of of putting somebody out there as a hero um, or or an icon is that we. We don't really know who they they are, and they very oftentimes, especially in the Christian industry, you know, they're they're where they are because they're a good speaker or a good musician or a good writer. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at uh, the whole uh, um, oh, what's that one author that all the um, almost all the girls semi Bible study groups have been doing the, uh, the the girl wash your face.
0: Yeah, Rachel Rachel Hollis. That's it, Rachel Hollis. Right.
1: I mean, uh, and there's, I think she wrote a sequel to that too. I mean, it's been very popular and there's a lot of good truth and good message. I'm just saying that, you know, it's a little strange for us to throw up, uh, you know, a 20, 25 year old, 30 year old guy or girl who uh, doesn't have a Bible certificate or a PhD. They, they, not that those are necessary to teach the word, but you know, they, they're a believer. They follow Jesus. They're filled with the Holy spirit. Cool. Good for them. They should They should use that, but for uh, us as the church to allow us to rally around them as if they're some sort of spokesperson for for doctrine. Yeah. um, And it's not fair to them. It's not fair that that somebody like like Daigle is is has a microphone thrown in their face and they're asked hard theological questions, Mm -hmm. and they're expected to give an answer that's not going to destroy their fan base, that's not going to get them cut off from their church, that's not going to offend or hurt people. You know, for us to expect that of them, that's outright wrong.
0: Yeah, and in turn, that just fuels the industry even more of just saying, "Hey, stick to the script." Yeah, stick to what's safe to talk about, what's safe to answer. But then to a dying world, they're seeing that and they're saying, look out, like, like, what? You know, like, you're not talking about the things that, like, is my day to day experience. Like, you're not talking about the problems. You're not talking about the corrupt systems. Like, you're just it it could appear as if it's like a big bubble of like, okay, well, like, yeah, you feel comfortable. And and then also you add on to the whole uh, misconception of like, you know, the whole prosperity gospel. You know, that the, that the world is very much aware of, you know. I think sometimes, like, as as uh, followers of Christ, like, we get a little scared talking about stuff like that, you know, because we're like, oh, crap, you know, like, you know, yes, you know, some people might just be misinformed and they're still our brothers and sisters if they, you know, adhere to Christ. But the world clearly sees our errors. They clearly see... Right you know, the ways that we're not doing it right or the ways that like we're just making it messy, you know, as us people, you know, now people can confuse that with like, well, that's Jesus that therefore I'm not going to follow Jesus because like that, but that's not a reflection of Jesus, you know, but like you see like the the prosperity gospel, you see the the whole industry of like, we'll stick to the script. And like, I know for me for 17 years, I looked at that and I was just like, no, that's not real. You know, and I think about like famously Charlie Peacock. You know, one of the pioneers, I guess, of like CCM. But Charlie Peacock, he he said, I listened to an interview. I think it was uh, with Andrew Osenga on his podcast. But um, they were interviewing, or uh, Andrew was interviewing Charlie, and he was talking to Charlie, and Charlie said, you know, when the whole label of Christian music or or Christians. Within, you know, modern music, you know, modern rock, modern rock, modern pop, whatever, when originally the purpose was to use your art as an invitation to those who, you know, have misconceptions to those who have like hurts or those who just feel far off and invite them into the body of Christ but it, he was talking about how like he saw within even his time at Sparrow how it shifted to no longer be invitational to the world, but it's more of like exclusive and you're just talking to believers, which he was saying that was like one of the reasons why like he had to get out because like that's not the heart of Christ like heart Absolutely. the heart of Christ is to go you know and make disciples. And I think about like Switchfoot, you know, uh, which was a band that Charlie Peacock kind of like shepherded and produced the first three albums or four albums, you know. But I think about Switchfoot and how Switchfoot was asked like, "Are you a Christian band?" And John uh, John Foreman, you know, and and is it was pretty it was pretty huge at the time because I think Switchfoot was the first band of people that were Christians but saying, "Look, I don't want this label," you know. Uh, the Fray was another band that kind of follows suit, but. I remember John Foreman saying, like, look, you can't have a Christian mustache. Like, these labels, like, you got to think about it. Like, what's more spiritual, like a symphony from Bach or, like, an instrumental? Or does it have to have the word Jesus in it for it to be, you know? Or what's more spiritual, a janitor who's a Christian or a pastor who's a Christian, you know? And he the point was, like, no, it's not about the label. It's about the heart, you know, it's about the it's about the heart, you know, so that's some things that kind of come to my mind. With I mean, that. I
1: think I think labels can be very, very dangerous. I'm, I'm generally not a fan of the huge divide that I think the industry has crafted. Mm-hmm. But there is something nice about being able to go into a, for example, you can't do this anymore, mm-hmm. but go into a Christian bookstore and say, um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm looking for new music. I'm looking for music that promotes the gospel. I'm looking for music that, um, you know, I I heard rock music on the radio. I like rock music. What, what good Christian rock artists are there? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the helpful person at the Christian bookstore will say, here, not Cutlass. Um, try yeah. following up instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, but, but but for real, I, I think that there is something nice about being able to throw something simple on for believers. That is music that is um, from from the inside. It's, it's insider music. You know, we want to be gentle with people who are misguided or aren't quite on board with um, proper doctrine theology. But at the same time, I think, Part of it is also with evangelicalism, I think, having moved so far away from Catholicism where, you know, people were burned at the stake for not having the right beliefs. Um, You know, I think part of it is that we're so afraid to throw out the label false teacher or heretic or at least heretical teachings. Um, And, you know, we need to be very, very judicious about our usage of such terminology. But the fact that that. Christianity is almost never willing to use those terms should be concerning because we see those practices everywhere And just because there are poor teachings or heretical teachings going on doesn't mean that You know the people engaged in them or at those churches are damned to hell It doesn't mean that they're okay. wicked entities, uh, you know, looking at uh, the New Testament when we see um, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, you know there we, we see that they they draw um um, Apollos, I believe, right? They, they, they find Apollos who is preaching the gospel, but he's not, not spot on. There's some things that are are wrong with his teaching and they take him aside and they, they coach him and train him and minister to him rather than condemning him. They don't say he's a heretic, you know, get rid of Mm it, cast him out, stone him. That's, that's not right. Uh, but I, I think we, uh, you know, you saw the video, I assume from, um, from Bethel about the wizard staff and Gandalf yeah. casting out racism, right? I mean, something like that is—is is, I, I don't say that to condemn the people involved yeah. in that, but something like that was so cringeworthy, so far removed from scripture, um, just bizarre practice. But the problem is that is what the world sees. Yeah. Video clips like that, which are obnoxious, ridiculous, bad teaching, messy, all over the place. Um, uh-huh. You know, that that's what's going on on CNN and Fox News and their little 60-second clips. That's yeah. what's being shared on Facebook. Um, that's what what groups and all over the internet are, are looking at and laughing about Christianity. And, you know, if people want to mock Christianity for our beliefs, then so be it. We were told that we would be hated by the war mm-hmm. world. But we shouldn't put fake things out there to be made fun of either. That's, that's yeah. just uh, com- complete idiocy. Um, yeah. But, but kind of going back to the issue of, uh, of apostasy, I remember a couple of years ago um, I spoke with uh, Aaron Stone from My Epic. Uh, mm-hmm. We were doing an interview for Jesus Free Hideout, um, and at one point he brought up a fellow musician um, who uh, I believe walked away from his faith. And um, Aaron was telling me that this guy said something along the lines of, um, and he specified that he didn't want to misquote, and so I'm I'm also paraphrasing yeah. his paraphrase, so you know. Be uh, be cautious with that. Um, but basically the idea that when you're in the church if you're losing your faith, it's like your dad is dying, but you can't tell anyone about it. Mm. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of truth there, but the first thing that we need to acknowledge is that this is a sign of an unhealthy church environment. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, I no longer believe the foundational truths of my entire life or or the truths that I've held for 10, 20 years. Uh, It's it's a process of erosion. And to harbor these small doubts or struggles for years and to not be able to speak out about them says something about the person in question, um, possibly a ridiculous degree of pride or more likely their church community, you know, maybe, maybe both. Um, But, you know, you have, have examples like, uh, it, just over the last few years you have uh, Marty Sampson, John Steingart, Joshua Harris, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the newsboy that everyone forgot about.
0: <laughs> yeah. The original uh, lead singer.
1: Yeah. John, John James, I think, no, John yeah. James, I think is still a believer. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, he's still a believer, but he's, he dealt with some, I think drug addiction, prescription yeah. drug addiction, something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, but it was the, the, uh, was it Perkins? Some I, I don't, I don't remember. Hmm. Um, I think he was the he was the bass player, and he basically came out and said, "Yeah, I just wanted to play, and it was a great. Yeah. I wanted to play in a band, and it was a great outlet to be able to play in yeah. a band. I didn't really care what the music was about. Yeah. Um, but you know, you have people like this, and in their posts about, or and, and it's interesting is they always release a manifesto online why why they've rejected their faith.
0: Yeah, well, some may argue that that's like them being transparent. They're like, look, I haven't been transparent. I'm going to be transparent. Like, you know, I owe that to you. You know, but you
1: know. It, it, in these, in these manifestos, they always ask questions um, that, that are, um, and I, I don't say this to, to belittle them, but they ask questions which are very elementary in nature. They're, they're as pedestrian as, as they come. Um, they ask questions about why, why do bad things happen in the world when God, where God exists? Why, why do people hurt each other? Um, why is my great grandma dying of cancer? Uh, you know, they, they, they say things like that, which, um, you know, yeah, they're hard issues, but I, I, I have to ask, why did they never pick up a copy of, of, of C.S. Lewis's The Problem of Pain or even Mere Christianity? You know, there are so many rich texts and theologians and books uh, who beautifully answer these tough questions. You know, why were these people who harbored doubts for years and years, why were they never pointed to the actual answers? Yeah. You know, why was there no one in their church who had adequate biblical training? again, I don't say this to mock and insult them, but to acknowledge the very very real issue that there is a lack of biblical and theological literacy within our churches. Um, You know, and you look a lot, a lot of these people were influenced by, um, you know, popular, secular, or maybe secular is not the right term, anti-religious authors like Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Bart Ehrman. Um, And they make compelling arguments against faith, against the gospel. But there are, positive and strong counter arguments. There yeah. are excellent writings showing why there are holes and flaws in the arguments that these these yeah. uh, philosophers are making. But yeah. so often Christians who are struggling with their faith don't even come across the fact that, arg- that counter arguments exist. They just were indoctrinated with you believe this, 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 this. And then one person comes along and lays out a barely adequate answer or pointing out some of the holes in their own beliefs and and they have no answers for it they have no recourse
0: well i mean it comes down to that foundation that like it's you can hear a truth a thousand times but like actually accepting the truth is different you know and i think about um aaron gillespie who who is still and was in under oath Um, But he left under oath and did like a worship gig for a while. And then um, and then he kind of just said, well, like, okay, I still believe in a God, but I don't adhere to, you know, what I once believed in Jesus. And he was being interviewed by the Bad Christian podcast. And um, the uh, I I think it was Matt or Toby, one of them was saying like, you know, like, okay, like, but you know that there's answers to these questions that you brought up in this podcast. Like there's answers to the, 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 you know, the problem of pain. There's answers to like, you know, why does the Lord allow bad things to happen to good people? You know, there's answers to hypocrisy and, you know, the, the system behind that, like, you know, are you just saying though, that you just don't want to accept it, but you, you see how Aaron walks away walks away from that question he's like yeah like i mean yeah the answer is just i just i just don't accept it like i i recognize that there's answers to these questions i have but it's like yeah it, it just doesn't do anything for me
1: you know all right when, and i think a lot of times these these proclamations of, of uh someone leaving their faith um i think a lot of times they're oftentimes very disingenuous um you know like the situation you just described with aaron i mean what what exactly are we supposed to make of it if there are answers to the questions and he just doesn't really want to accept them. Um, and I mean, I think the truth is when people are allowing their, their doubt to fester for, uh, you know, decades sometimes, or at least many, many years, uh, you know, you have to ask, is it that they're actually fighting for their faith or do they really just mm. want to find a reason to leave it? Um, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, we've been seeing a lot of people, uh, a lot of apostates leave the church. We've been seeing a lot of people reject the gospel publicly um, and you know I think I think a lot of times you'll, you'll see kind of an argument that people say that the issue lies in you know the evangelical American church um, and I think when it comes to that I'd, I'd like to hit back on that concept. Um, I think it, I think there's some some misguided conclusions there. I mean. You know, my experience with American evangelical culture, which I grew up in, um, admittedly, I may, may be biased, but um, I think it has really, uh, I think i think it's clearly revealed a number of flaws, um, but to a lesser degree than most other religions or Christian sects. Um, when I lived in the Middle East, most Muslims knew very little about their own faith, texts, history, um, you know, other than the talking points. They had a lot of talking points about uh, about about um, their prophets and their texts and th- things like that but the moment you try to engage in an actual conversation with most of them they're, they're very clearly not very well informed about their the history of their faith and, and what that looks like. Uh, you know Orthodox and Catholic branches of Christianity are almost entirely wrapped around culture rather than theological literacy or biblical mm-hmm. knowledge, um, especially insofar as the laity goes. Um, You know, I don't I don't think American evangelicalism is the flagship for the breeding ground of atheism In fact, I think it's done a great deal more to combat such struggles than most other religions and groups Um, The reason we see all that here is because we have generally separated religion and culture Um, You -hmm. know, there's still a lot of areas where it's intertwined, but you know compare being in north america with being in almost anywhere in in europe or um, other other historically christian areas or islamic or jewish areas um people are free to leave their faith here without being stoned burned you know they're not shunned they're not shamed they're not cut off from their family they're not um for the most part
0: (laughs) there are exceptions yeah
1: right right absolutely but you know generally speaking and when i say that i mean i mean in terms of society, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not. If if I suddenly say, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to be a Christian anymore," right? My parents can say, "Then," and this often happens. They'll say, "You're not welcome here anymore," mm-hmm. right? But I can still go to the, down the street to the store and buy bread, and the shopkeeper has to let me yeah, in and take my money, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. um And there's a lot of non-evangelicals I meet who, had, and when I say non-evangelical, I mean. Anyone of any faith who's non-evangelical, you know, who will admit that they don't believe in their doctrine, faith, God, whatever. Yeah, but they would never come out to their community. Um, but when you contrast that with evangelicalism, we meet a lot of evangelicals who openly admit that they struggle with doubt and they often reach out for help. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think you know, kind of where, where I'm getting at with this is when you look at most of the stories of the people who have rejected their faith uh, within the Christian industry or pastors, speakers, writers, whatever, um, is that they never really sought help. Most of the public apostates seem to have faced some kind of doubt, immediately surrounded themselves with confirmation bias, their friends who also harbored, you know, deep-seated doubts. Um, And then they usually will prove, quote, that God isn't real because he doesn't do the things they think he should, um, even if they were never taught or told these untruths about God, Um, you know, and and I want to contrast that. Um, I know we've spoken about this in the past, but uh, for the podcast, I want to contrast the idea that people who come to Jesus share a wide wide array of salvation stories, mm. right? Some were born into the faith, some mm. were converted by philosophical mm. argumentation and intellectual debate, mm. some had a dream or a vision of Jesus, some encountered a street preacher, some were reached by missionaries in the back end of the Amazon or Africa, mm. some just had a Holy Spirit moment while others were ministered to and taught for decades before accepting. Some found a discarded Bible and began reading it and, and mm. came to of faith through that. Whatever the reason somebody has come to salvation through Jesus Christ, you see a beautiful mishmash of stories of yeah. people who know and love Jesus. The people who go the opposite direction, who abandon their faith, who reject the gospel, they all share a very similar story mm-hmm. as well. They share a similar story as opposed to the people who come to Jesus. They have a wide, diverse Series of stories for why they came the people who leave Jesus almost always leave for the same reason They they experienced doubt they felt that they couldn't speak about it They never did speak about if they harbored it They surrounded mm-hmm. themselves with other negative influences until they finally reach a breaking point or a point where there's just not enough incentive or accountability for them to keep the the charade up and and then they publish a manifesto on Instagram and say this is why Jesus or God isn't real because and, and, and the truth is they're usually very bad reasons. They 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 seem to have not really sought help. They don't they haven't reached out. They haven't um, they haven't expressed humility.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: and again, I don't want to, I don't want to trash them. That's, that's not the point of yeah. this is to, to say that they're, they're disingenuous people, but I think you see a very consistent narrative for yeah. why people leave the church, but you yeah. see a beautiful narrative from all walks of life, why people come to the church. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I know when like Marty Sampson uh, walked away or I, uh, I don't even know if walking away is right, the right term, but just expressed his, I guess, frustration, doubt, whatever, um and all of that like the thing that encouraged me about marty is that like he was just like look i like i know enough to know that like if god's real then like me seeking after him i will find him like i will find the i will find christ you know and like i was i was encouraged to see that he was still you know pursuing after and like surrounding himself with like you know Uh, different views, different perspectives. But at the end of the day, like his heart was like, okay, Lord, you know, Jesus, I want to like know, like, are you Lord? And, you know, I'm so grateful that the Bible makes it very clear, like Jeremiah 29, 13, like when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And so like with what you talked about, like, you know, any relationship, anything that's anything that's, that's worthwhile, anything that matters most, for the most part is the hardest stuff to do you know like to truly love to truly have loyalty to truly have um respect to truly have um you know even a close intimate relationship with a spouse like it's it's work it's not just like you know like oh well yesterday we made a vow honey like we should be fine like that's, that's where you start getting in the issues and it's the same right, thing with right. the relationship with our creator you know I, I know i always say like creator savior sustainer um, because I feel like sometimes when you just say the word God, like everybody has an image of what God is. But when you boil it down to the God of the scripture, he's a creator. He created us. He's our savior. He, he made a way when there is no way. And he's our sustainer. He sustains us by the power of, of his word alone. Like, but when you, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. When you look at like the whole like gospel, it's like, wow, Lord, like you are the one that makes a way when there is no way. And so as long as the heart is seeking after you, like we will you. Are you about you. to tune
1: us in to Waymaker here, bro? <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. i about to get out my guitar that I don't know how to play. I, I mean, I think there should be a culture of saying, like, it's okay to ask somebody else to help you, you know, to help you. And, and that's where discipleship comes in. But I think there's that pressure that I have to be the spokesperson for the faith that I adhere to. I have to be, because the spotlight might be on me. I might have my Mar- Lauren Daigle moment where like all eyes are on me and I, I have to, you know, you know. But like at the end of the day, we should have the humility as people, especially as followers of Christ. Say, look, I don't have all the answers. Like, but I know that, you know, the God of the Bible does. And I know that his word does. So So often we're scared to say, I don't know. Where in reality, like sometimes saying "I don't know" is like <laughs> the most like best answer you can give in a situation of like, look, I don't right. know,
1: but you know. I mean, it be- it begs respect from when somebody yeah. who is is, um, I don't know if an authority on a, the subject is the right answer, but and I remember in in college, you know, some of the mm. professors we had, I would ask them very difficult questions. Um, you know, there's hard issues in the Bible, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, there's, there's genuinely hard issues in the yeah. Bible, which ironically yeah. are never the ones which seem to trip up the faith of, uh, of, of the followers. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the ones that actually have easy answers. But, you know, there's nothing like when you have an Old Testament history professor who has, I don't know, God knows how many degrees, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> who, who just says, that's a really good question. And I, I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. Here's some thoughts on it, but I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. the best I can do. And, you know, and my respect for my teachers and pastors and leaders who have told me, I don't know as an answer to a hard question it has just skyrocketed. I know that they're not just full of it. I know that they're not just spouting off whatever answer that they actually think things through and admit that, you know what, sometimes we don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I wish, I wish that were something that we could see more um, in the, um, in the secular or in in the christian aspect of of music worship art entertainment
0: just in yeah in art yeah
1: yeah i I, I can i can think of one particular song that uh that valley heart has like literally the refrain they keep going back to is i don't know yeah 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 i mean i think jumping kind of rewinding a little bit looking more specifically at music and, and what that is um or the christian industry you know we see this idea that um you know music is supposed to draw us near to god is supposed to draw us into worship i mean you'll hear that refrain endlessly on the radio or from flyers concerts whatever for the major major label christian acts but you know i want to talk about some of the artists in the the middle the, the excluded middle where we we just kind of ignore them or when i say we ignore them i really mean the christian music industry ignores them and the secular industry ignores them mm-hmm. um And and a lot of the Christian artists who are willing to dive into some of the tough issues that we've we've discussed, um, they were never going to receive radio coverage anyway. Not not from a lack of talent, but rather genre. And and of course, it's challenging to cover complex topics in a a two minute forty five second pop song. Yeah. Um, You know, before the podcast, I sent you a a song by one of my favorite musicians. Um, I've been listening to him for ten yeah ten plus years. Uh, uh, Anyway, it's an artist called Tim. Be told. Um, it's now a solo act it's just pretty much just him and some help from friends on instruments. He's a brilliant musician, right? Um, but the song I sent you he details um, his, his experience in life as being a, a gay Christian mm-hmm. You know and and how do you respond to a young man who loves Jesus and says he's gay Mm-hmm. you know and he details a lot of that in his, his music um, over the last couple of albums he's kind of hinted at that a little, mm-hmm. little bit more directly um, but he's you know he stayed single wrestled with the theology of, mm-hmm. of marriage and relationships and all that you know he sings about what he was told when he was told by his friends um, that you know they, they would be his family and community um, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. do you do when you realize that your personal heroes of faith we're more broken than you've realized. And and that some of them were even deceived. Some of them Mm. were were manipulated. Some of them had bad doctrine and teachings in their lives. You know, what do you do with that? That's not an easy question.
0: What would you say to somebody who is on that side of kind of like what we even talked about in the industry that you know that that box that prevents you from asking those hard questions or wrestling or you know putting yourself out there? What would you say to someone who's saying, "Look, I'm at this crossroads right now. I have questions. I have doubts. I have confusions." And I don't know what to do with it. I'm scared to talk about it with somebody. I don't think the community, maybe the community that they're in doesn't really support those questions, whatever. What would you say to encourage somebody to, to go to Jesus? You know, what, what would you encourage to somebody who's struggling and wrestling in those, in those, you know, messy middle areas?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's a, not a one size fits all Mm -hmm. um, answer, of course, Um, But I I think generally when someone's wrestling with those types of issues, what they need to do is first admit that it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubts. And a Christian who does not have questions or doubts is probably not a Christian, right? We can be very secure in our faith. We can not really have huge struggle, a huge struggle with doubt, but at the end of the day, there are always unanswered questions. There are always doubts in the back of our minds. And I would tell somebody that, if they think that they're not allowed to have those doubts or questions that they're being disingenuous and dishonest with themselves. And the first thing to do is to be honest and say, I have doubts. Take that to God, right? Take that to God in prayer. The second thing to do is to find a community, find a church, find a Bible study, something where there are people who actually do have good answers, preferably people where some have received a biblical education or some are, are well-trained in, in, in theology or the scriptures. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable bringing up your doubts to the Christian community that you have, then you're not in the right Christian community, right? Yeah. You should. You, there should be people reaching out to you saying, hey, what, what are you learning in Scripture? What are yeah. you wrestling with? You know, what what do you want to what do you want to work through? Right yeah. there, you need to you need to have believers in your life that are willing to reach out and take the initiative and make sure that you are 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 finding answers that you need, that you are able to be at peace with your faith, with your doctrine, with your salvation. Yeah. Uh, you know, that process is going to look different for, for each person. Yeah, um, and and just to, to wrap it back back down a little bit i would say you know find find good outlets mm-hmm. um, find listen listen to some of the musicians that that that, that we we cover at Jesus Freak Hideout or that, that Jonah and I have talked about i mean i'm thinking artists like wolves at the gate uh, my epic valley heart aaron sprinkle levi the poet um, you know those those are people who come to mind immediately who discuss the rawness of life mm-hmm. And sometimes music from, you know, Christian music, if we're going to be using labels, sometimes it's not, it's not directly worshipful. Sometimes Christian music is saying, I have a Christian worldview and I hate life. Mm -hmm. I have a Christian worldview and I feel like killing myself. I have a Christian worldview and I want to hurt other people. I have a Christian worldview Mm -hmm. and life is hard and I feel pain and I don't know how to process it or what to do with it. Yeah, You know, and, 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 uh, you know, you say, I, I'm a Christian and I want to go get high right now. Mm-hmm. I want to get drunk right now. And there are Christians who will talk about that. Mm-hmm. And there are mm-hmm. artists who will talk about that. They're not, they're not boasted about on, on, on social media or the radio or the general mm-hmm. Christian industry. Right. But sometimes being able to find solidarity with people who are, are, Admitting their own struggles, Mm -hmm. but they're admitting them, right? They're not just harboring them or keeping them. Secret to their closest yeah. friends, they're not. They're not internalizing their doubts like some yeah. of these. Uh, some of the people who have left the faith have done for years. They're exposing their doubts. They're shedding light on their doubts, and they're saying, "Hey, I'm angry. I want to do these things that I shouldn't do. Yeah. I need help, and I don't know where to get it. And it feels like God's not there." And being able to be with them, even across the music and solidarity, uh, I think that can speak to your soul. Um, you know, not not always not for all people. Um, and for those people who aren't struggling with that in this season, or who have never faced that, you know, I, I encourage you to to reach out to the, the musicians who are in the middle who are the are, are excluded from the secular industries mm. and from the Christian industries, you know, reach out to the believers purchase their music, support them, you know, encourage them because speaking frankly, most of these people that we've discussed, they work a lot of jobs in addition to being a musician because they can't pay the bills by recording music that sells 500 albums. You you just can't do that. And, 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 you know, supporting that music, sharing it with your friends, that that, that's infinitely important, you know, and I don't mean to disparage the artists like the Chris Tomlins or, the afters of the world. Some of them have great music and and are are great people. Most of them are, but that music is being, is being given to to millions of people across the radio, radio waves. I mean, and praise God for that, right? That's Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time. That's a very good beneficial thing, but we also need to read, you know, if we're comparing worship to reading, to listening to music, listening to music or reading the Psalms, we need to remember that there are Psalms that praise God and praise what he has done mm. and have faith in God and have faith even amongst doubt, so on mm. and so forth. And then there are Psalms that are really dark. You know, yeah. There are Psalms, there are laments, uh, like uh, Psalm 88. It doesn't even turn to a praise in the end. Is it, does it even count as a lament? I mean, I'm, uh, scholars yeah. will debate that but I mean it's it's literally ending with you have taken my friends from me life is darkness for yeah, me Yeah, right yeah. And, and 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 to be able to sometimes sit in that darkness um, And yeah. admit that you are there that that's what's necessary for some yeah. people in some seasons And you know that can turn to praise in time mm. But but creating a forced worship, uh, you know, uh, of jesus 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 um, you know, yeah. time 16, there's no God like Jehovah, right? That's not always, that's not always what people need. Sometimes yeah. people just need to say, God, I have a hard time trusting you. I have a hard time believing in you. You know, let, let's, let's be honest. Life is bad, right? You can, you can frame it multiple ways. When we look at it through the gospel, it's easy to say that things are good, right? We, we're loved by God. Jesus saved us those are true. Those are good things, but why did God save us? Mm. You know, God's not saving most people. His offer is for all people, but most people, as we've talked about, have hardened their hearts and reject the news. The only reason Jesus had to die was because everything went so far sideways and Jesus had to die. That's, that's not a good thing. It's, mm. it's good for us, but that's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the world that we live in is, is dark. Our faith, our faith, there's a lot of blood, you know, our, our our God demanded a blood sacrifice. There's there was blood spilt to cover us. You know this mm-hmm. this isn't a fairy tale fairy tale religion a fairy tale faith. We live in a very broken world and we are redeemed and somehow irredeemable at the same time. Right? Yeah. You know, it's and I think I think for art to admit that and for for people who follow Jesus to admit that in their art um is, is one of the next steps we need in the evolution and growth of um the hopefully the Christian music non industry. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But yeah. So anyway, my, my advice to people is is to to find find music that find find believers who are not mainstream musician and and check out their work, especially if you're at a point in life where you're just wrestling through um mm. some of what seems so fake about religion, right? Yeah. You yeah. Know, Dig it up, listen to it, and uh, you know, send send your letters and fan mail to Jonah. Yeah. Um, he'll be able to point you in the right <laughs> direction.
0: I'm just trying to remember who who said this. Um, oh, it was Switchfoot. It was Switchfoot. It was in the song uh, Vice uh, Vice Verses. And uh, there's an interview um, that somebody was giving him. Um, I think he was from like Norway or something, but he was talking to John Foreman and he said, hey, um, in your song, Vice Verses, you you ask God a lot of questions. You say, God, where are you in the genocide? God, where are you in the broken hearts? God, where are you when it all falls apart? Like, God, where are you in like, you know, just like the brokenness? And the interviewer is asking John Foreman, he was saying, you know, like, uh, do you feel comfortable asking those questions? Is it okay to ask those questions? And John Foreman said something that I, I kind of want to end with this. But John Foreman said, look, I, I believe in God of the scripture. And what that tells me is that there is no question too big for my God. There is no question too big for my God. There is nothing that I can do or, or ask him that would make him blush or be uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, like there is freedom in that. Like, we can go to the Lord in prayer, no matter where we're at, you know. I, I think about um, a comedian, Chris. He's a uh, comedian who's a also a, a follower of Christ. But how he came to Christ, he was leaving a liquor store. He just purchased a 24-ounce. He left a lick, liquor store, and he just had this little prayer in his heart. He said, God, help me. I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to be here. He just said, God, he, I don't even know at that point if he, if he knew the name of Jesus, maybe he had exposure to it, but he just said, God, like, help me, like, save me, literally. And he said that, like, the Lord took him on a journey of him just breaking off that skin and coming to Christ on his terms, you know, and like me, I was in my room, I wasn't at a church when I came to Jesus. I just, I just opened up the Bible and I said, Lord, like, I want to know you, like, I'm not just seeking a means to an end. Like, I just don't, I, I'm not trying to just cope with this pain that I'm feeling, but Lord, I want to know you. And so, I guess, like, in, in saying all of this, like, may we use our giftings, may we use our talents, may we use our energy, our prayers, our, t- you know, time. Saying, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you in your fullness as much as I can. I know I'm broken. I recognize my brokenness. But Jesus, I want to know you. And at the end of the day, like you know, the 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 process is sacred. <laughs> the process is sacred. Um, is there anything else you want to uh, kind of add or or uh, end and with? I'll let you uh, close out uh, today's episode.
1: You know, I would definitely reinforce what you've said that there's there's or what what John said. You know, there's there yeah. are no questions that are too big for God and. I think the first step in struggling with doubt and addressing doubt nipping it in the bud to keep from spiraling into these disasters you know is is to admit that you have questions that are big questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah. Right? And don't let anyone tell you that a question you're struggling with isn't a big question. Mm-hmm. Some questions have easier answers than others. Yeah. But if it's a question that's causing you to question who you are then that's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to grow closer to God. It's an opportunity to become more well-versed in scripture and theology. And it's an opportunity to love your neighbor and love your savior even more than you already do. So pursue those questions. Asking questions is good. And don't let anyone tell you that asking a question is wrong. It's not. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Jonah. And, yeah, uh, it was great getting to chat about music and doctrine. Yeah, man.
0: Well, hey, would you uh, would you do the honors of uh, praying and uh, closing us out?
1: Absolutely, it'd be my honor. Thanks, man. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have, even over distance, and especially during the season of of COVID, um, to be able to uh, to interact um, and have a. a spirit-filled conversation Um, i pray that those who hear this conversation would somehow be encouraged by our words um, and lord that you would continue to raise up believers and artists uh, especially musicians um, who who are able to reach the masses with your truth and and sometimes with with the hard truths or the hard questions Um, i ask that you would not let us be afraid to deal with issues of doubt or the the issues that we wrestle with um, but instead that we could address them we could bring them into the light and trust that your spirit will give us peace and will give us the answers that we need and thank you for jonah thank you for his ministry and service to you and for all of the many ways that you have blessed us and i pray this in the name of your son jesus whom we strive to follow after amen amen,
0: amen. thank you man thank you
1: hey thanks for having me jonah